on Thursday and... <laughs> Bless, Bless <me>. you. <laughs> Mess us all up. That came out of nowhere, man. Oh, that had some it was... power. Oh, I, you know what? I am not a dainty sneezer. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Every week, John, John Fraser. Fraser. To me, if this isn't rock bottom for the Bombers... I don't know what is. And Travis Kura. Who would win between the world's fastest cow, the CFL Rabbit, or Brandon Banks? We'll deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Bad pizza's better than good salad, right? It's true. <laughs> it, it, it really is. Just like bad wings are, are better than most anything in the world. Can't forget the nonsense. Ready, set, hook Welcome to episode 41 of the Two and Out CFL podcast with John Fraser and Travis Carra. I think we officially retire the uh, Roman numerals now because... Yeah, how weak is L? Like, I just... <laughs> like, it's, episode 50 is going to be big and dramatic and cool, and maybe we'll even have a special guest. And just to name it, like, L just looks stupid. Yeah, you think we're actually getting smaller in stature? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, X and XX and XXX. Two looks awesome. Looks like action movies. Yeah. L looks like, uh, yeah, I'll have the large cola, please. <laughs> if it became double XL or triple XL, I'd continue, but that that does that's not how it works. Apparently, uh, but we're not talking sizes of our jerseys. We're talking. Yeah. Sizes of podcasts. Yeah, I don't know what the Romans were doing, but come on, man. <laughs> Get better, Romans. Uh, John, did you see we have a new famous uh, Twitter follower, Kate McKenna? Really? Of course. She's from The Social. Does this mean we can finally live our lifelong dream of getting to be on The Social? Does this? Does that mean I have to shave? No, no, you look better with a beard. You look freakyish and odd without a beard. So, no, no, no. It means I have to shave because I grow some patchy stuff. It probably means I have to put on pants, though. <laughs> so, this does mean, I think, that we're one step closer to uh, being on the social. We have been compared to the social in the past. We we have, um, and my my one-time drinking buddy, Jay Onright, has been on the social, okay. I believe, twice. So, you know what? Maybe I could I could even reach out to him over a gringo and uh, see if we could, you know, if he could give me some pointers of being on the social. Yeah, I guess our new uh, listeners from south of the border, to compare, the social is almost like The View, but... Not, but it's like less angry than the view. Yeah, like I was watching the view. Don't laugh at me. And they were talking about, you know, uh, I'm judging. I'm silent. I know judging. you are. I know you are. Uh, well, I usually watch live with Kelly and Michael, but now Michael's not on anymore. And then <laughs> you're not you're not helping yourself here, Kura, like at all. And then the views on right after live with Kelly, and they were talking politics and stuff like that. They get angry. Yeah. Very like, angry. <laughs> oh, like like the like the social. They play like games and stuff. And here they're like, blah. Like I'm pretty sure Candace Cameron Bure is actually part Satan. <laughs> hey, maybe the CFL pierogi challenge happens on the social. We need to DM Kate McKenna right now. Yeah, right now. Let's get on it and get to the news and get waxed with Brazilian tie. Hey, it's Brazilian Ty back after a week off for another edition of Getting Waxed here on the Two and Out CFL podcast. Now, the past couple of months, I have to admit, I went a little Johnish, what with my going off on random tangents and rants, but probably not nearly as angry as he does. 
But now, with the regular season games back, we have a team to make fun of every week and ask, what the hell happened, for lack of a better term? This week, we look at the first regular season game to be played at the newly renovated BMO Field in Toronto, as the Tiger Cats made the trek down the 403 to take on the Argonauts on Thursday night. Now, I get it. It's the first game of the season, and a lot of the roster turnover, as every team experiences in the offseason, there's going to be somewhat of an adjustment period. However, I'd like to know where the Argos' pride was from the start of this game. Six minutes into the second quarter, they still hadn't scored. Tiger Cats added to an already embarrassingly do make it 18-0 before two late field goals by Liram Haralahu made it 18-6 at halftime. Oh yeah, to add insult to injury, the first score of the game, no, first score of the season, no, the first regular season score at the new BMO field was a safety five minutes into the game. Quite the way to start a new chapter in franchise history. With all the things that have gone on in recent years concerning this team, with the lack of attendance, the failed marketing or lack thereof in the city, not having a place to play last year, and all in all, both major sports networks in this country on multiple occasions have totally disregarded not only the team, but the league as a whole at times, I was hoping that there would be some light at the end of this tunnel. That being said, there was some positives. The atmosphere in the new stadium looked 100 times better than any game that was in Rogers Centre, and of course the ability to tailgate prior to the game is a huge plus. Love the idea, and hopefully it brings more people into the area and gets them to buy a ticket. Now here's hoping that the on-field performance isn't going to become an issue and the Argos can become relevant again in the Greater Toronto area. You can find me on Twitter at Brazilian underscore Ty if you feel the need to rip me or just want to say hi. Don't forget to set your fantasy lineups for kickoff tomorrow night and get your pick 'em in picks before they lock. Until next time, keep your wax hot and your strips clean. And back to Travis and John and the Two and Out CFL podcast. In the huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two and Out podcast. Thank you to our sponsor, Bomb Energy Drink, for sponsoring the news. We do have to get to the bomb of the week. I know John's enjoying a nice energy drink right now from Bomb. Absolutely. I feel so good right now. I was so tired because I work mornings and I have a kid and I don't sleep, and now I feel awesome. (laughs) Follow them on Twitter at The Bomb Nation. They're proudly Canadian. You can actually buy uh, their product, shop.drinkbomb.com. We do have to do the bomb of the week. I got to say, the biggest news story of the week, Henry Burris injuring his pinky. I have never, no way I broke a pinky once. Uh, it, it, It was during... The one year I was a flag football quarterback in Lloydminster and went 6-2 and two as a starter. And you broke your pinky? Did you continue to play? What happened? No, I just jammed it because oh. I tripped and fell when I was trying to make a run play. And it was my pinky in my left hand. So it was just really embarrassing. <laughs> I used to jam my finger all the time playing a basketball. Man, yeah, that, that hurts. That, that's why I don't play basketball. But <laughs> you're right. Like All of a sudden, Henry Burris takes a routine shotgun snap and... Of all the teams best equipped to possibly lose the most outstanding player from last year at quarterback, um, they are perhaps the best, as Trevor Harris is a legitimate starter in the CFL, and boom goes the dynamite. Look who all of a sudden is in the lineup is Trevor Harris. And did you notice? Did you notice? Somebody's value kind of skyrocketed on DraftKings this week. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's going to be starting. It's already been announced that Harris will be starting. His first play was, what, a 75-yard uh, bomb to Chris Williams. So <laughs> he is ready. And I know it's so cliche to call it a quarterback controversy, but haven't we seen this before where the old quarterback, you know, wins the job, starts the season, and then loses that job to injury. He, it's shades of Damon Allen. It is, but 
Trevor Harris is better than Michael Bishop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I still don't know how anybody possibly lost their job to Michael Bishop. Um, but I, yeah, Trevor Harris to me, I'm actually rolling him in one of the two DraftKings contests I have going on uh, this week. Another guy who I think is super undervalued. Um, Aside from the Henry Burr situation, Rob Bags only fifty eight hundred bucks. He's going to be starting in Saskatchewan, and he's playing slot back his old position. He's looked great in training camp. So Rob Bag only fifty eight hundred bucks. A great play at receiver. Yeah, I'm rolling with him this week too. We'll get more uh, to that when we get to the uh, expose. Actually, we had a message, uh, direct message to the two and out account. Uh, a cop from Massachusetts. Uh, he's actually not giving us crap. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. I did. Normally you say cop, and all of a sudden now every muscle in my body kind of tenses up. <laughs> uh, strongest link sports on uh, Twitter, and he uh, sent me a message asking me what SB means on uh, the depth chart. Yes, when you're new to Canadian football, sometimes those uh, different positions can throw you off a little bit. Slot back is basically right. the inside receivers, right? Yep. And, and uh, halfback, which in American football can be a running back, is actually a defensive position in Canada. You, which is something to get used to. <laughs> yes, so there's so many uh, little uh, little differences uh, when getting used to Canadian football. But yeah, slot backs, as I guess a general rule, tell me if I'm wrong here, may see the majority of the targets when it comes uh, from their quarterbacks. They'll see a majority of the targets, but not often a majority of the big plays as they are closest yeah. to the quarterback, which means they're also closest to the box. But they're going to come up with catches uh, and a lot of them and a lot of yards. Just don't expect those guys to rip you off. Uh, similar to Chris Williams last week with the big long play for a touchdown. Uh, the other position, too, we should mention if there's any daily fantasy players listening as well. You'll see fullback listed on a CFL depth chart. If you're thinking of going cheap, grabbing a fullback that's going to vulture a touchdown or two like they do in the NFL a lot. But that doesn't really happen near the goal line. It's nine times out of ten. It's the backup quarterback running a sneak or they're running some sort of passing play or they just stick with the, the starting running back. So if you're thinking, hey, geez, look, this fullback is only a couple grand and he's listed in the starter. Just don't even waste your time. It's such a long shot. Stay away from that spot. But, yeah, slot backs are going to definitely get you catches and yards. It's just Will they get you those big plays and the touchdowns? That's what's left to be determined on a weekly basis. Uh, let's talk about some other injuries that happened uh, in week one. A scary moment during the Toronto-Hamilton game. Jermaine Gabriel uh, went down. Uh, he's going to make a full recovery. I guess he wanted to walk off the field. Yeah, that is good. Yeah, it, it is good. And it's such a routine play. You see that all the time. Uh, players yep. that just kind of run into each other on a special teams play. And it, it just so happened that that one was the, the perfect storm for him. But he will make a full recovery. Uh, Terrence Tolliver missed the practice on Monday. Uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats receiver. He left the game against Toronto. Didn't come back. And that basically opened up the door for Brandon Banks to come in more on offense. Tequan Underwood is back practicing for Hamilton. I would love to see Banks more involved in the offense. Uh, he wasn't really involved that much last year. Um, if he continues to get on there this year, 
suddenly. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny, though, with Brandon Banks because he seems to be, and we talked about this a lot last year, he's such a home run play. Oh, yeah. And I guess this also applies for, for DraftKings that if he's not making returns, generally, you're right, he's not a big focus of the offense. I think you look right now, you got a young quarterback in Jeremiah Masoli uh, who seems to be leaning on his veterans in Hamilton. And I get it, Banks is a veteran, but they just keep trying to work him in there. And he missed all the training camp or most of training camp with personal reasons as well. So Speedy Banks isn't quite at uh, full speed yet, not a full feature part of the offense. And like you're saying, Travis, his value skyrockets if he starts becoming that. So keep an eye on that. Yeah, last year he didn't see all that much time. Uh, you kind of thought he would because at the end of 2014, you remember he had that uh, not only the the he had the punt return uh, to almost win the Grey Cup against Calgary, but also yep. had that big bomb on offense as well that he yep. he caught to bring them back. So uh, there is a place I think for Banks on offense if they can figure out a way to get him involved. Uh, we already did mention that Trevor Harris will be starting for Ottawa. And another inju- injury to watch closely is Weston Dressler. Uh, he was yeah. a limited participant in Tuesday's practice. I don't know if he'll be able to go on Friday. He, he basically had the red uh, penny on. Uh, don't don't hit him. He wasn't doing all that much. I They're hopeful for him to start. Against well, Calgary. Mike O'Shea is feeling pretty optimistic. He hasn't taken any first-team reps. I mean, the rule of thumb is generally the last full practice of a week is two days before the game, meaning that Wednesday will be the last full practice. Yeah. Thursday will be a walkthrough. If you typically don't see a guy in a full practice, he's probably pretty doubtful. Again, CFL injury information is vague, but generally from from my time you know, covering the league and, and doing this podcast with you, Trav, generally if a guy's not in that last full practice, it's a long shot he's going to start. That being said, he could sneak out and, and do the walkthrough with the number one position group on Thursday and <coughs> bless, bless <me>. you. <laughs> Mess us all up. That came out of nowhere, man. Oh, that had some it was, power. Oh, I, you know what? I am not a dainty sneezer. No. Dainty sneezers, I want to just like, like, come on. The body's natural reaction to a sneeze is to push it out like I just did there. It's not this... <laughs> you know, I'm not a I'm not dainty at anything, but I'm not a dainty vomiter. Like if I <laughs> oh, if, neither if, am I. If I, if I got the flu or something, I'm full out. Oh, <laughs> or or you've had one too many after Grey Cup in Vancouver. <laughs> I actually did okay in Vancouver. That's because you ate an entire Chinese place out of noodles. Yes, and uh, lots of all dresslers, which are back on the menu in uh, Manitoba this year. Not just Manitoba, Travis. Not just Manitoba. That the co-op grocery store here in Saskatoon on the south side. I went in to look for all dressler chips and couldn't find them. So Lacey went in and looked for all dressler chips and found them right by the entrance because I'm a man and I don't ask where things are. <laughs> and I have several bags of all dressler chips ready for my July long festivities this weekend. Nice. That is awesome. So, yeah, keep an eye on uh, Weston Dressler. That, that brings up uh, another point. Injury reports are very, <laughs> very hard to come by, if not impossible, in in the Canadian Football League. You have to just basically hope 
that a beat writer following that team tweets out information. Otherwise, you're not going to get anything. With the CFL partnering with DraftKings, is it time that changes? Yes. I think it has to. I mean, the biggest reason why, and the NFL will never admit it, but the biggest reason why the NFL gives published injury reports is fantasy sports and Vegas gambling. That oh, is yeah. not 100% the biggest reason. Now we're starting to get involved. I mean, it was one thing when fantasy was like a fun little side project and you had free TSN fantasy football. But like now that real money is at stake here, the league needs to do a better job. Now, that being said, what I highly recommend is go out Follow all of the local beat reporters. Um, you're spoiled in some markets. I mean, you look at, you know, let's. I, I know a couple guys I follow for sure. Jamie Nye and Rod Peterson in Saskatchewan. Murray McCormick's another great one. Uh, we're going to have Murray on the show one of these days. I mean, you look at a, a guy that's been on the pod with us before. We're going to have him on again very soon. Darren Bombing, a TSN radio in Winnipeg. And I'm just thinking of these guys off the top of my head. I know I'm missing lots, but, you know, just go through, find Find the local radio paper guys. They're usually the ones tweeting out the real good information, the information you need on injuries. Is it kind of Bush League right now? Yeah, a little bit. But, I mean, you know, fantasy sports is is new to us. I just look forward as a reporter the day that every everybody isn't listed as day-to-day. And for <laughs> all the good that I think has been done media-wise, especially in Saskatchewan, you know, Chris Jones constantly coming out every single week and every single practice and saying this guy's day to day because again you're game planning against some good players why wouldn't you keep all that injury information close to your chest just to give yourself an advantage I agree why with the coaches do it but the league needs to look at okay real dollars are at stake here and the last thing you want is to buy high on a guy in 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 daily fantasy and lose out I didn't start uh, I didn't start Andrew Harris out of Winnipeg last week, and it actually cost me a match of one of my fantasy leagues. Money's on the line there. I wasn't thrilled. Yeah, and well, Chris Jones basically told the fans, uh, don't tweet out any of our guys that are not playing because of hurt, and definitely don't tweet out uh, you know, formations and things like that that the team's well, working and, on. And the funny thing is, is Ryder fans, through all their passion, and, I mean, Jones flat out said it. He could go to Ryder fan forums yeah. and just and saw the entire – and this brought me – I was reading Rod Peterson's website today, rodpeterson.com, and it brought up a great story from the Corey Chamberlain days. Back in 2012 when George Cortez was the head coach in Hamilton and, and Chamberlain was in charge of the Rough Riders, apparently Cortez, out of the goodness of his heart, reached out to Chamberlain and said, hey, man, your entire practice schedule, formations, and everything is up on a website. And that's why the writers started closing practices. So basically what this is, Jones is a genius here. Because if the information still gets out to the internet, he's going to be able to close practices. I know there was a lot of uproar in Saskatchewan over closed practices. Yeah, there was. And basically, Jones is giving the fans their chance. Don't put that information out there, and we won't have a problem. Put that information out there, and he'll be closing practices. I think that is actually kind of cool of him to, to say that to the fans uh, directly whether you like it or not that's the policy that the league has right now injuries you can, you don't can close need, one practice a week yep yeah and injuries don't need to be disclosed <laughs> so no uh, so 
if he wants to hide that information, he can. And I, I do think that's one thing that does need to be changed as far as injuries. I get it. If if they're working on fake punts or whatever in practice, yeah. of course they don't want that out. Of course yeah. they don't. But uh, with injuries, uh, I think we might be seeing uh, some changes. And I do hope we start to see uh, changes coming there as well. As- well, again, it, it's it's starting to cost people yep. real money. And, yep. and there's going to be an uproar. And the NFL doesn't want to cost people real money. And that's why they have their publishing injury reports that are mandatory. Again, you still see some shady things on that. I mean, for example, you know, Bill Belichick always lists Tom Brady as questionable. I was gonna going to say the Patriots are famous for... <laughs> exactly. But you know that it's unless something has happened, yeah. that guy's going to go, right? Yeah. Staying with the Riders, they end up bringing in uh, two quarterbacks, uh, Calgary's former third stringer, Bryant Moniz. They bring in uh, uh, another guy. I, 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 let's just butcher his name, I guess. GJ, which is hard to say, man. GJ Kinney. Uh, I, I went Kinney um, on the okay. radio this week, but you're right. GJ had me so tongue-tied <laughs> and screwed up, I had to try it about three times and finally just gave up. Like, this was live on the radio. I felt shame on Monday. Does this mean the ship has sailed uh, for the Riders and James Franklin? Oof. I, I know Ryder fans aren't going to think that's the case. I don't think so. I think Chris Jones is the kind of guy who, he's he, once you prove yourself, he's incredibly loyal but until you do that, he has no hesitation in going out and getting somebody that is better than you. And, I mean, you even look at him. He's He brought in another seven or eight bodies to practice this week during the bye week just because he liked these guys more than what he had on the roster. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly interesting that I think that I don't think the James Franklin talk is dead. I think that Edmonton's asking price of Josiah St. John and a first was high. Um... I think there's some middle ground someplace there, and I think the Riders, they need James Franklin, and Edmonton knows it, so they want to get max value because B.J. Coleman, I think, is it has the potential to be a good CFL quarterback, but he's a raw rookie, didn't look great in the preseason games, and right now, Jones confirmed he's the number two guy if Durant goes down. Wow, and he's been in the league for a month. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens uh, there. Also, the Tiger Cats bring in Everett Golson from Florida State University. Uh, was with Notre Dame as well. Uh, CFLPass.ca if you want to see some highlights on Everett Golson. Now, <laughs> we did kind of talk about it uh, as far as, you know, injuries and uh, information out there. Uh, there was a lot going on with uh, the Edmonton Eskimos as far yes. as uh, access goes. They're on a bye week right now. Uh, some media members in Edmonton wanted answers from Jason Moss, and they so wanted to talk to, the to Ed interview. Yeah. <laughs> show up. No, I'm dead serious. It's CFL media policy that you have to have a postgame. I mean, the riders do a full-out news conference. They do, yeah. I don't know why. I mean, there has been no team in the history of Canadian football, or at least as far as I know, that makes anybody accessible during a bye week. So why the hell do you expect it's going to be any different? Well, they do for one day, I guess. I think that's the I think that's the policy. No, they don't. They don't. They don't. The minute the team goes on a bye week, even if it's like, hey, we play Sunday. For example, this week in Saskatchewan, they played Sunday in Edmonton. Yep. They had post-game media, post-game players, all the usual things. 
and then they went radio silence for a week because it was a bye week. They returned the following Sunday to practice, and at that point, they had media access once again. So I don't understand why Edmonton and some people there specifically think the need of a bye week, and why are you airing this out publicly? I don't. This is what I don't understand. There is a media person with every team for a reason. Talk to them. See if an exception can be made. Say, hey, we need we need some help here. Is there any chance of doing this? Now, maybe they did, and maybe they were told no. But that is a, that's a constant around the CFL. And the other thing that that that, that is currently blowing me away and maybe this is the generation i come from and again rod peterson alludes to it a little bit in his column about the fact that old school guys think they should be able to walk into the dressing room after practice pick up who they want to interview and so on and so forth i'm going to tell you how it works and this is what's irking me is a lot of fans are just don't know i mean they're not in the business you know when you go to a practice whether it's Saskatchewan, Edmonton, Winnipeg, whoever. They have a designated communications and media person. You walk up to that person. In, in Saskatchewan, his name is Ryan. I walk up to Ryan and say, at practice, and I say, Ryan, this is who I'd like to talk to. Ryan writes it down and says, okay, John, no problem. If multiple reporters want to talk to the same guy, Ryan says, okay, the three of you are doing a scrum. If you want to talk one-on-one to a guy, you talk. if you're the only guy that requests him, you talk one-on-one. Now, some exceptions are made. Injured players don't speak to the media. That's also league-wide. That's since the dawn of time. They just don't because they can disclose something that the team doesn't want disclosed. And once in a while, for example, during training camp in Saskatoon, they would give quarterbacks the odd day off from media. For example, everybody wants to talk to Darian Durant. He's the face of the franchise, coming back from an injury. If it was up to the media, somebody would talk to Darian every single day. So the Ryder Brass said, no, not today. He's got a day off. That's how it works. What the old school guys are complaining about is this isn't good enough for them. This is not good enough. I need to be able to wander around the dressing room and and talk to whoever the heck I want. I could get the beef if... They were being denied access during a regular work week, which I know there was some beef about Chris Jones closing practices, but everybody was available afterwards, right? And the coaches have it right in the in, in the media policy. They can close one practice a week. It's written in stone, and they can take advantage of it if they want. But to go out and, and complain that a guy's not available during a bye week, yeah, that hasn't changed. To go out and say, and finally, this is actually the funny thing, is the Football Reporters of Canada, which I am not a part of, by the way, went out and went to Jeffrey Orridge, negotiated, and got one day of locker room access a week. They got it back to the way it used to be. Yeah. So you've got your cake. You've got the thing you wanted. You get to go hang out in the locker room and see what everybody's got in their stalls and hang, hang out and talk to guys in a more casual setting. You got that. Do I think that's necessary? Not really. Um, I played some pretty good sports, some pretty good hockey at a time. I wouldn't want people just wandering around my locker room. And the funny thing is, it's actually, and Rod Peterson alluded to this, that the writers opened up their locker room for their one day a week. But by the time they had done it, because Chris Jones always speaks first, by the time they had done it, Darian Durant and many other veterans just slid out the back door, <laughs> which, is, which is their right. Right, right. It's painfully obvious the players don't, the players prefer being summoned to do an interview. The reporters prefer it. 
why are we still complaining? There is there is some old school mentality. There is some ego, and it makes us all as the media look bad. Because let's face it, when us guys in the media bitch, there's zero sympathy. No, None. no, nobody. nobody everybody thinks you're just whining. Everybody thinks we're whining that, oh, we can't hang out in the dressing room. We can't talk to this guy. Yes, there needs to be an expectation from CFL teams to give the players and the information in a timely fashion. And again, my primary primary dealings have been with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and I've never had an issue, ever. They come here for training camp. I ask Ryan who I want. I get that player as long as they're not injured and as long as they haven't talked for four days in a row. And that way, I can then give our listeners, our readers, the information on that player that I came out to achieve. And you look at what most teams are doing. You go to most teams' websites, and whether it's a reporter writing a story or anything, you can go watch the same scrums that we're all a part of. You can go watch exactly what Chris Jones said. You can go watch exactly what Rob Bagg said. Now, will you get the great story that's done on maybe a guy like Naman Roosevelt? Maybe somebody's working on a one-on-one? No, you won't get that, and that's what the media is there for. But to me, the clubs have an obligation to make players available under the right circumstances. Because why? Like, what the hell is a guy going to talk about on the bye week? Like, <laughs> hey, so you've been, have you played Madden this week? It's their week it's their week off too. Like that's the thing. It is their week off. A lot of guys like dealing with the media, a lot of guys don't. It's a vacation from us in the media and it's a well-deserved one because guess what? The other 6 months of the year, you've got us asking whatever basically whatever the hell we want. And as far as Edmonton goes, I think there's a thought that after week one and giving up over 700 yards against Ottawa is that the sky's falling. There were only 20, what, 7,000 fans in the stands. The sky's falling. What's wrong in Edmonton? And and I, and I, I get that frustration, and I do, but you know it's going to be like that. So, yeah. again, every team has a post-game press conference, and maybe there wasn't one in Edmonton, which I would be shocked. Because I've never seen there not be one. Every team has to make players and coaches available post-game. So, why didn't you ask post-game? And I get it. Some teams do have a policy of making coordinators unavailable to media. That I don't agree with. I don't. I think every coach should be able to come and talk. And I get it. The head coach wants to talk for his coordinators. But everybody should be available. And that I don't agree with. And maybe that's part of the issue in Edmonton. I'm not fully aware. And if that is the part of the issue in Edmonton, they got to make more guys available. But after your team just gave up 700 yards, the last thing these guys want to do is sit in front of a microphone. And I can't <laughs> blame them because, again, I never played a level high enough we had media coverage. I didn't. You know the first thing I want to do after I lost a hockey game? I want to get the hell out. I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to get out, collect my thoughts, and then go out and do something. That's how athletes are wired. And to expect these guys in their bye week that are working on stuff and taking a break from the game to go out, you know, you can guess what? You can still do your score, stories on the sky is falling when they come back from practice because guess what happened in Saskatchewan? They had to answer questions about the 0-2 preseason a week later. <laughs> there's only 27,000 fans at Commonwealth because there's only 30,000 good seats at Commonwealth. 
Like, let's call a spade a spade here. Commonwealth, most of the seats are crap. Anything in the upper deck, to, they should be, I, I shouldn't, I, I'm not saying they should be given those tickets away literally, but figuratively, there should be, with, unless you're in those middle two decks up top, those seats should be no more than about 10 bucks. They and should be know. cheaper. I, I I know some on the twenty yard line are forty bucks or something in uh, in the top. Why not? You know, yeah, make them twenty bucks or something. Because just... I've I've sat up top at Commonwealth. You're a I know, mile I've sat away. Eighty, yeah. <laughs> like it's pfft, no wonder there's only twenty seven thousand people there. Your entire team got raped and pillaged, and you have a new head coach. No wonder there's only twenty seven thousand people there. Like, I, I, I I I want <laughs> I I. I would love a 35,000-seat stadium in Edmonton and create demand for a, a one of the best franchises in the Canadian Football League, just like what Saskatchewan is doing. And, and I know you everybody... Know, you know what, though, Trav? Any other team in the CFL would take 27,000, to, to, thankfully. They would, yep. So, I mean, let's put it all in perspective. But, I mean... BC it, would kill for 27,000. Yeah, but apparently they all like t- they all like eighth tier football out there. I don't know what they like in or Vancouver. football. Sorry, <laughs> I don't know what they're. Uh, I don't know. They don't like lacrosse. Apparently, they don't watch the stealth. They don't watch. They watch the Canucks, even as terrible as they are. But even well, that attendance watch went them down. miss the playoffs again, and they won't like the Canucks either. So I, I <laughs> then again, when it costs like two million dollars just to have a house in Vancouver, I can see why where the disposable income goes. Yeah, so maybe they should move the team out to, to Burnaby or something like that. I don't. Well, I'm not, that's uh, the, they move the Vancouver Stealth out to Langley, and nobody shows up for lacrosse in a, in a great little barn. Yeah, nah, they're uh, maybe they're they they like Starbucks more than sports, but. Uh, <laughs> 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 Another rant that came out this week was a Marshall Ferguson, uh, which was legendary, I, I think. If you don't follow uh, Marshall on uh, Twitter, make sure you do. It was basically uh, a lot of people crapped on the – and they still do. They crap on the CFL every day, and I, I don't know why. I, they, they can't see the positives that come out of uh, you know the Toronto and Hamilton and BMO Field and how loud it was. and uh, <laughs> I actually – I, I deal with it every day. People that crap on the on the league, and I just, I just, you know what? I've just, I've hit a point, and it's like people that crap on this podcast and people that crap on the league. I've just stopped giving a damn. Me, me too. Because I, I'm sorry, but people that crap on the CFL, how how many snaps of football have you taken? Uh, it, uh, there was a guy actually I had a discussion with, with, and he very respectfully asked me why I like the Canadian Football League more than uh, the NFL. And my answer was family. You, you know why I cheered for the Oakland Raiders as a kid? Because they were cool. Yep. <laughs> well, why did yep. I cheer for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Because it was in my blood. I will never forget uh, sitting there watching the 2007 Grey Cup with my dad and my brother. I had never seen Saskatchewan win the Grey Cup yep. because I was I wasn't even two years old the last time they had won. Well, it's it's funny because I, I think with the CFL, there I don't think there's any reasonable person that will say. It's 
better than the the athlete is better than the NFL. I think the rules make it more entertaining. I think these are grown ass men playing in the second best football league in the entire world, and there's no harm in loving it. Like I, that's the thing that always blows me away. Do you the same person that comes out and trashes us for loving the CFL? Do you also trash the guy who loves his Western Hockey League franchise? Do you trash the guy that loves an American Hockey League franchise? Do you trash the guy that loves his AAA baseball team that's in his city? No, you know, it's a Canadian it, it, thing. It's a Canadian thing. Like it, people it's, crap it's, it's on you. It's not only a Canadian thing, but it's a regional thing. I, I mean, everybody has their favorite team, mostly because where they're from or where they've relocated to. Yeah, but people crap on Canadian television shows and Canadian uh, music because it's Canadian. I, it's I know, and it's 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 so strange that we can't appreciate some of the good stuff that that comes out of Canada. Don't get me wrong; if I hear one more Gowan song, I might want to <laughs> blow my ears off. But um, there is a lot of good, and we are also famous for for crapping on it. So I don't see. I'm of the mind now, and maybe it's as I get older, Travis. And this is oddly philosophical for me, um, who's usually very angry. But like I said, and I alluded to it, I said it on Twitter this week. You know what? I know people enjoy this podcast. It's good. I'm happy with it. I know people enjoy the CFL. It's good. I'm happy with it. I know people I love. One of my favorite bands are are the Arkells. We've talked about that before. They're good. They're Canadian. And I'm happy with it. And if you want to hate it, well, go suck a lemon. I really don't care. It's funny because the older I get, the more connected I, I guess I feel to the league. Uh, yep. And the more I care about where I've come from and where I am, uh, I, I used to care more about the NFL, but that's not in my blood. That's in my, my head, you know? Yep. I, I'm, I'm cool with, uh, you know, the Raiders being the baddest team in the league, but I, I'm just dis, I'm just disconnected with uh, that now. I'll, I'll never forget going to my first game with my dad and my brother I'll taking never, I'll me I'll never to forget games. my first game with Winnipeg with my cousin. Yeah, I mean that that's what the CFL means to me. Uh it means and I had a very love-hate relationship with football for a while there. When I was in high school, I hurt, hurt my back really bad and I couldn't yep. play football. So for a while there I hated it and I didn't want to watch it and I wanted nothing to do with it. But uh when I went to the Grey Cup in 09, I didn't go to any of the festivities. I'm like, "Ah, you know, it's close by. It's Canada's championship game. Let's go check it out." And then I really felt a part of something uh, yep. again and uh, then I was hooked again uh, yep. on on football just because I couldn't play. And it really pissed me off. You know, as a teenager, yep. like screw yep. this, this yep. this sucks. But now uh, I'm older, and I probably wasn't going anywhere with football anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so now I, I love it. So uh, we've got a little bit off the rails, uh, a little bit uh, too many heart to heart conversations. So let's get yeah. To this, the- this this got way too socialish. Um, <laughs> how, how about we break it up with? Um, I know. I know. Let's get to the Fantasy Expose. That's why the people are here. Time for the Fantasy Expose on the 2 and Out podcast. I can't believe this. Uh, Let's start with how uh, Brazilian Ty did in the 2 and Out podcast league. He had a tie. That that is so Tyrell against Team Gordy Howe hat trick. They tied. that is a, that is a great <laughs> team name, by the way. Um, but yeah, who ties? Like there should be some sort of punishment. I think Tyrell 
and Team Gordy Howe hat trick have to drink some lukewarm coffee tomorrow. I, I agree. And Tyrell, actually, I went to the Eskimo game with him over the weekend, and he said if he doesn't win a game this year, he will get the wax again in November. Does the tie mean it's still alive? Yes. Okay. A tie is not a win. I, awesome. I, that's all I needed to know. Uh, as for the CFL Podcast Family League, we crushed Rouge Radio last week. I do have to thank Chris Williams for that. Yeah, uh, I would say. <laughs> 187.98. We're going against uh, Podsky, Wee Wee, uh, Josh, uh, Mike, and the Tiger Cat Podcast this and, week. And they're humming. And I can tell you um, that in our personal league team, Weston Rose Flows, we're 1-0. and Thanks to Brad Sinopoli making me go, Wee! I was the second highest scoring team in that league. Uh, no love this for week. the rap, eh? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you jackass. <laughs> I was the second uh, highest scoring team in that league this week. Uh, and I was against the uh, highest scoring team, so that, that screwed that, me. <laughs> that'll, that'll cost you. That'll cost you. How about Daily Fantasy? Neither of us uh, win money this week. We are going to try again. Well, in the in the guaranteed prize pool on DraftKings, I actually broke even. I, I guess so. I had a three dollar entry and I and I made six bucks. So I'll be able not to bad. play this week. <laughs> yeah, I um I did not um do so well. Um, I, I I was high on a couple guys that I shouldn't have been, and it backfired. Uh, so that's why I'm trying something new this week. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Let's start with uh, the Hamilton and Toronto game. Uh, quickly here, uh, what surprised you? The Ticats crushed the Argos 42-20. Jeremiah Masoli's performance really surprised me. Um, the three touchdown passes he threw, uh, I didn't ex- I expected Hamilton to win that game or I at least put it to a coin flip. Did you see the first touchdown to Andy Fantuz? I did. Speaking of another guy who I didn't really expect to do a whole heck of no, a lot. No, no. And it, it just went off uh, the defender's hands, and Andy was like, okay. So uh, he got lucky there, but uh, the rest of the game, I mean, you don't get 27 for 37 for by being lucky. No, and for sure. And I really think that, as I alluded to a little earlier, he's going to lean on his veteran established guys. Luke Tasker, 8 for 81. Andy Fantuz, or he's now listed on the CFL website, Andrew Fantuz, uh, 7 for 99. Brandon Banks, 4 for 50 at a touchdown. Chad Owens, 667 and a score. So if you uh, can get those guys still for whatever reason, uh, go get them in terms of daily fantasy. Brandon Banks, of course, also returning punts. So he brings you some extra value there. But Luke Tasker is the biggest sure thing, I would say, out of that group, even though he didn't score a touchdown last week. Simone Lawrence had the super double-double. He had two sacks. He had an interception, a fumble recovery, seven tackles. (laughs) He had a a double-double and a new Tim Signature Donut. Yes, and he, I don't know if you caught him on the sidelines all game long, top five, top five, top five. (laughs) <laughs> he was uh he was fired up and uh Hamilton they they may have the best depth I think in the league now. Uh I, yep. I thought it was Calgary, but I know it's only week 1 and it's classic overreaction theater, but the Tiger Cats depth <laughs> is incredible. No, I would I would agree. Um Toronto, I think Ricky Ray looks like he is back, but their biggest issue is the fact that their leading rusher had a grand total of Travis Drumroll, please. <laughs> Two yards. 
Two. That, I don't know One, what they did with Brandon Whitaker there. They, two. That is bad. Uh, actually, at the, in the first half, I thought Ray was done. But he yep. looked like he had kind of started to, you know, come alive a little bit in the second half. It'll be interesting to see uh, how he reacts as far as targets go. I, uh, I'm buying. I am buying low on Ricky Ray. I think oh, you are. Look, I am. I think. Uh, or, or I'm. Pardon me. I, I shouldn't say I'm buying him low. I don't want him right now, even though he's at a low cost. I don't want him against that rider defense. I don't. I don't want him either. We'll go over our daily lineups or some guys we're looking at uh, in, in just a bit here. Uh, Chad Owens at eleven targets uh, last game. You did say he he wants to lean on his veterans. Owens is one of those guys. He did make uh, six of those uh, catches. As for Luke Tasker, eight catches, eight targets. He was the only guy that had more than I, I believe it was four targets that actually caught them all. So a uh, Tasker had a uh, great game and I. You know what? I thought the Argos would come out flying, but they didn't. And I, I think they're in danger this week uh, coming into Regina for that home opener. I guess let's go to Winnipeg. Uh, <laughs> uh, Weston Dressler is why. Weston Dressler getting KO'd on like the third play from scrimmage might be the most Winnipeg thing ever. That's so bombers. That is so bombers. The whole game was really so bombers. It's funny. It really could have been a runaway. Um, Kevin Glenn. By the way, I th- I'm I'm going. Is it? I'm. I think I'm wrong with the Alouettes. You know what? It's I think another I'm one very of those wrong over- with the Alouettes. It's another one of those overreaction things. I, I do think, but once the injuries start coming in Montreal, they always do then they will struggle because I think there's a lot of talent with the starters. I just don't think behind the starters there's anything there. The more I look at the Montreal lineup, Trav, the more I'm starting to think this is a playoff team. Possibly hosting a home game. Well, who would miss the playoffs? Toronto? Yeah. I was thinking there'd be a West crossover and Toronto and Montreal would both miss. I don't know if that's going to happen anymore. I'm certain you just you okay. You look at like Tyrell Sutton is probably the highest used running back right now in the CFL. Carries the ball 15 times, 66 yards. Didn't have to run a lot. Um, Kevin Glenn airs it out for it. It's just that Kevin Glenn running that Anthony Calvillo offense. The the strengths of the two are so similar, and then you they go are. to the receivers. I didn't. I I forgot how silly. This Montreal receiving core is Nick Lewis, 6 for 51, proving he's still a thing. S.J. Green, 5 for 72 and a touchdown, a guy I've, I'm high on again. I've got him in a couple of leagues, fantasy and daily fantasy now. Sam Jaguar is a nice ratio play. He's going to start because he's Canadian. Tyrell Sutton also helping out receiving. Deron Carter, 7 for 69. Kenny Stafford, 3 for 46. Can you name me a group of receivers that is better? I guess I would just have to say that Ottawa rivals them, but that's it. Maybe Hamilton, but I'm not sold on some of the veterans in Hamilton. I would take I would take Montreal's receivers over just about anybody, the exception being, yes, Ottawa. I'm interested to see if Tyrell Sutton continues. Uh, he had four catches 
four targets uh, lately he or last year he wasn't that big in the receiving game they'd usually bring uh, Brandon Rutley in on the passing downs yep. uh, but Kevin Glenn is one of those guys that has a really fast release yep and they actually gave up no sacks last week and I think that's well, more and that because whole offensive of, line returns too yeah and I, I and then and then look defensively too this is why I'm starting to, okay I'm starting to think the Montreal is going to battle with Ottawa for second place in the East. Kyrie Zebear. Javon Johnson is up there in age, but he still is getting it done. Five tackles and a sack. John Bowman along the line. You got Winston Vanabil. He's out there. Alan Michael Cash. Mark Olivia Brulette. Bear Woods is back. I mean, there's just, you look at the, I just, I think I'm wrong on the Alouettes. Can I change my prediction now? It's one game in. Can I change it? <laughs> Well, the the Owls, their offensive line, it's a lot different than last year. Glenn just, I think Glenn made them look good because he can get rid of the ball so fast, and he's not shy to use the checkdowns like Tyrell Sutton is. No, and and I think, I think Montreal is going to be a playoff team. I've changed my mind. I think Montreal is going to be a playoff team, even though I will still relentlessly make fun of Jim Pop for being a terrible general manager. Well, I think if they win this year, it's despite or in spite of Jim Pop. He made some dumb decisions. Yeah. He did. Well, how much better could this team be if he knew how to manage the salary cap? I know because they have two rookie cornerbacks. They could have they could have Mitchell White and uh, he, he could be in there. And yep. they started two rookies and said, yeah, and that's the that's about one of the only spots that concerns me. But man, I just I don't know. I think a lot of guys would have to get hurt to really uh, knock him off. Meanwhile, Winnipeg, as we said, that's a Winnipeg. Andrew Harris has a nice debut: thirteen carries, eighty yards. Also adds forty yards receiving. He's always going to do that weekly. That's kind of his thing. Uh, yeah. Weston Dressler three for twenty-two before being KO. Drew Willie three hundred and three yards passing, but he just didn't look sharp. Uh, Darvin Adams uh, five for one hundred and five and a touchdown. I think he might be the biggest beneficiary of these moves that. You know that that Winnipeg made. I think he's going to find himself open a lot. And well, he's Jace their Davis, big play guy. Oh, one hundred percent. Jace Davis also a uh, a nice game, and uh, Chris Randall with a modified double double, um, six tackles, an interception, and a fumble return recovery. Uh, Drew Willie did not look good on the deep ball, but believe this or not, the, the Bombers were actually second in total yards when you include uh, returns last week. Interesting. I, I don't know how that is possible. The numbers don't lie, but McDuffie had a great return uh, day. He had over 150 yards, so it, it, I think that's another guy that could get involved on offense soon. Uh, the Bombers, they end up losing uh, to Montreal to open the season i i feel okay about my pick em. when i finish week two two and two i'm very happy with that let's go to an offensive masterpiece this was <laughs> this was the kind of game this this is what canadian football can be should be yeah. and typically is yeah uh the ottawa red blacks beat the edmonton eskimos 45 37 in overtime it's not very often where the back or the quarterback goes down and the backup comes in and lights the world on fire harris went 17 for 19 292 yards and three touchdowns and for players new to the league this isn't uncommon he was the starter for most of the year in toronto last year signed a deal with ottawa that basically the way it's structured burris the reigning most 
outstanding player or MVP would start this year. Trevor Harris would take over next year. That's kind of what their salaries are saying. But Trevor Harris has taken over because of the injury to Henry Burris. And let's not forget that Smiling Hank was not having himself a shabby game either. No. 251 passing a touchdown in an interception, 23 to 31. It's just like you said. The, the story really is Trevor Harris with 292 and three touchdowns. Trevon Van uh, made his debut as Ottawa's running back. But obviously in a shootout like that, you need your receivers. And holy cheese, Chris Williams. 176 on eight catches, two touchdowns along of 71. Greg Ellingson, also five for 96, just coming short of a <laughs> uh, just coming short of 100 yards. Trevon Van also helping out 44 yards. Brad Sinopoli, as I wrapped a few minutes ago, helping Western Road Flows with a win in our personal league, 984 a touchdown. Also, Keenan LaFrance, the former Manitoba Bison, getting in on the love with a touchdown. The uh, Red Blacks end up signing uh, Moses Madu as well, former Tiger Cats running back. So keep an eye on Trayvon Van. He might be pushed in uh, practice. Madu uh, did have a couple starts for Hamilton, so he's definitely a capable uh, running back. As for Edmonton, that offense is uh, that's not the weakness in Edmonton. No. Uh, Jason Moss brings his no huddle style to Edmonton. They are what we expected. Darius Bowman had the most targets. Darrell Walker had the big plays. They looked amazing. There were 255 uh, receiving yards between those two receivers. Yep. But John White really uh, picks up where he left off before he hurt his Achilles. Which is nice to see a, a, a guy do that. Um you like to see a guy come back in a big way, which he which he did. Uh, pulling up the numbers here for the aforementioned Mr. White, 43 yards rushing and a touchdown, only a long of 10, but also helping out with 56 yards receiving and a touchdown. And you're right, the Eskimos are who we thought they were and who I said they were going to be. They're going to put up points, but can the defense stop anybody? Darrell Walker picked up where he left off, 7 for 149. Uh, Nate Kuhorn, you keep expecting him to bust out. Yeah. And again, it just it's not happening. 3 for 33, Adarius Bowman, 9 for 106. Uh, Mike Riley, continuing to be Mike Riley, 383 yards passing and a touchdown. But yeah, Travis, I just... I don't know. That's exactly who we thought they were going to be. And How messy was that secondary? Because if they continue to give up that many yards on defense, they could be the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of early last season. And that's, again, we got a lot of trouble for saying that maybe that could be it. But so far... Well, I, I I was a believer that Edmonton's defense was going to be okay. You pump your own tires because you thought you you got them at what last fourth last place in the West. I had but, them fourth with a crossover, assuming uh, Montreal wasn't going to be great. I, is is it taking time for Mike Benavides, uh, the defensive coordinator in, in Edmonton? But he doesn't get, he doesn't have the horses. I don't think he has the horses, Trav. Or he doesn't have the horses to play his system. I think I he is he trying to get used to those new rules that came in last year? Because for most of the game, I, I think we know that Edmonton's front four is one of the best yeah, in the yeah. CFL. Yeah, and they're they're yeah they they're always going to have that for them. 
But that's all that he did. He sent them, and every, everybody else dropped in coverage. But those new guys in the secondary looked like they didn't know what they were doing. Well, and you got to think, Dave, they, that secondary is kind of where things got raped and pillaged a little bit. So not to hammer on the Eskimos so much, I, I still – I just – I saw it, and I, I said to myself, I'm like – I see shades. I see shades of what I predicted coming through. I still think Edmonton finishes at, at or near 500. I think the whole West Division is going to be at or near 500, as evidenced by, would you call it the upset of the week, Travis? BC beating Calgary? Well, I think BC is so overlooked. And I picked them, but I don't think I expected their defense to be that good. No, I neither did I. I, I thought, well, again, you get... You get some goofy mistakes. I mean, how often are you going to have Rene Paradis miss two field goals? Well, how do you give up three or three of your punts? Two of them get blocked. One gets tipped in one half and still win the game. Yep. <laughs> I I know Calgary had a chance to win the game at the end. They maybe shouldn't even have gotten to that point because no. of the blocked punts, but there was a point in uh, the first half when Calgary got stuffed four times in a row on the goal line because of a penalty. They actually got four shots to get into the end zone. Yep. Uh, for some reason, they don't give it to Jerome uh, uh, Messam. Who had seven carries for 16 yards. Harrison only had five carries for 19 yards. BC forced Calgary away from the running game. They really did. And I think that that's a testament to some some of the players that, that BC does have. As you mentioned, I thought Jerome Messam was was a buy. I mean, maybe the DraftKings guys know more than we do. Because, I mean, realistically, <laughs> I thought Jerome Messam was a great value buy last week with Daily Fantasy. Me too. Tur- Turns out completely backfires. Uh, Bo Levi At least he won- had the touchdown to save his day. Well, and so did Bo Levi with his one touchdown passing. That's I started yeah. Bo Levi and Jerome Messam on two of my teams. That's a big reason why I wasn't able to win anything. Kamar Jordan, uh, he was the best stamp on the day. Three for 73 with a touchdown. Everybody else, minus Lamar Durant, who had to leave with a ankle injury, was under 27 yards. There's another guy to watch this week. He is uh, questionable uh, with that ankle sprain. He is uh, he is a guy that a lot of teams are going to regret not picking because of alleged off-field issues in the draft a couple years ago. Yeah, he got passed over and fell way too far, uh, I think. Uh the heaviest pass catcher of the week, Dan Federkyle from uh, the Stampeders, 316 pounds. Did you see that catch? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't actually. I missed uh, I missed that one, but I know uh, whenever, big a, whenever a big boy makes a catch, Travis is the first one to point it out. Yeah, he looked great, too. He had great form, a 21-yard catch, and at the end of the play, lowered his shoulder, you know, just like the receivers do. He looked great doing it. So I don't know if there's going to be a, uh offensive lineman uh, league, but uh, I do want to join and uh, start picking some of the big men. Dan Clark, first overall pick, I think. But Kamar Jordan will be interesting to watch. Uh, shortly before the game, it was announced that Bakari Grant uh, came over from Hamilton last year, is not on the active roster. Yeah. On Tuesday, he was practicing with the number ones in practice. And uh, Dave Dickinson so far said it's going to be a week to week thing between Kamar Jordan and uh, Bakari Grant. Uh, Kamar Jordan made a good case for himself uh, with this game, though. Yeah, three catches, 73 yards. As for BC, Jeremiah Johnson, now he only got nine carries, Mm -hmm. but 
and for 44 yards, most of them came at the end of the game when they were running out the clock, and he looked good. Yeah, I I was surprised, though, that, that you didn't see more of him, especially with the rookie quarterback that is Jonathan yeah. Jennings. Um, yeah. I don't know if I'm sold on him. I'm not playing him uh, Daily Fantasy this week. I just I need to see him put up a little bit more. Uh, and again, just to see that Wally Buono is going to play him. I mean, let's face it, Buono typically likes to pass first and ask questions later, and he's got two decent running backs. Uh, he's got Jeremiah Johnson, Anthony Allen's also there. He didn't play at all. Uh, Jonathan Jennings can also run the ball. So it's going to be interesting to see how that develops in BC. But that's one I'm I'm staying away from at least for the for the for the time being. It might come back to haunt me this week, but I, I'm just I'm waiting to see. Sean Gore actually had 11 targets. He had 59 all of last year. <laughs> so, so a complete change in game plan. Yeah, we'll see. He must have benefited from Lavelle Hawkins retiring, but there's also another rookie in the wings in BC named Kendrick Ings. He may be one of those guys that comes in later on. Gore benefiting right now. We'll see if he can continue uh, to bring in that many uh, targets from uh, Jonathan Jennings. Okay, DraftKings. Who are some guys you are looking at uh, this week to get in your lineups? Well, I mentioned a little earlier, Rob Bags at 5800 bucks. That's a good one. Uh, Brad Sinopoli, a guy I've always been high on, 23.4 points last week. He's just 6700 Compare that to, example, Deron Carter at 8500 22.3 last week. Another name that's not really known out there. And he's valued relatively high is Naman Roosevelt there with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He's a rookie coming in. I, I think he's going to, well, not a rookie, pardon me. He's a sophomore, didn't play a lot last year. Uh, I'm also, you know what? I'm starting Darian Durant in one of my two teams. I'm starting Trevor Harris in the other. I think Harris is worth the money. I think Durant, you can save a little bit of money by going with him uh, against the Toronto Argonauts, who just gave up 42 points. I'm actually starting the Rough Rider defense. I don't like the way that uh, Toronto looked last week, and Brandon Whitaker did nothing. Uh, the Riders do have themselves a formidable front seven as well, and they could make things very tough, especially Chris Jones. He's going to send blitzes at Ricky Ray, and I oh, don't know. Yeah. If, uh, he, he, of course, he studied what Hamilton did to them last week. It could be a rough one for uh, Ricky Ray and the Argos uh, again. As for, uh, I really like the idea of stacking Montreal Alouettes this week. Interesting. As good as Ottawa's offense is. But their defense defense is pretty good too, Trav. I don't, I really don't think they're, look what Edmonton did to them. And I I think Montreal can uh, do the same with SJ Green, Tyrell Sutton, and Kevin Glenn. I think they can make a lot of damage on that uh, Ottawa defense in their home opener. Interesting. I, uh, I, I don't, I don't disagree with the play. So that, that's, those are the three Alouettes I'm targeting this week. And, uh, uh, BC's special teams didn't look the best last week so i'm throwing out brandon banks as well he had a great game last week i think he will again and that bc special teams uh they they gave up a big return to roy Roy finch from uh calgary and banks is 
He can do that too. So it, he uh, can, but just <laughs> buyer beware. As a yeah. lot of times, he's not that heavily involved in the offense. He was a little this week. That's a trend to keep watching. Yeah, and, and if that continues to go up, he will be worth even more uh, than he is now. Uh, that does it for the expose. Uh, we can get right into the picks now. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at 2 and Out CFL. <laughs> All right, we have two doubleheaders this week. Thursday night, it is the Montreal Alouettes uh, home opener as Ottawa is in town. John, who are you going with here? Here I am saying all these nice things about the Alouettes and saying how they're going to be battling with Ottawa for a home playoff game, but I got the Ottawa Red Blacks winning this one. I think, as you mentioned, two rookie corners against those Ottawa receivers. Advantage Ottawa. Trevor Harris is going to even more so stake his case to be the number one quarterback when Henry Burris comes back. So that means we have to spin some Alanis. And I am picking Ottawa as well. As much as I said that I'll stack uh, Montreal offensive players against Ottawa's defense, I do think Ottawa will win the game. And uh, it'll be a close one, I think, closer than maybe we would have expected two weeks ago. Yeah, but (laughs) if you would have told me that this would have been a coin toss game two weeks ago, I probably would have slapped you in the beard. Yes, this is Alanis Morissette for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Second half of the Thursday doubleheader, Saskatchewan opens up their final farewell season at Mosaic Stadium as the Toronto Argonauts come to town. Who do you got? I've got the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I really think that that rework Chris Jones defense, Ricky Ray especially. You mentioned the Riders' front seven. Their secondary is better. Their front seven is great. You look at the defensive lineman, they're going to be able to dress. They're just going to rotate in, fresh legs the whole time. I think the Rider defense is going to pull a Hamilton Tiger Cats and eat Ray raw. <laughs> I have the riders as well. Um, lowest confidence though. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's my highest confidence. That one. Really? Really? I You're think that. I, and then of course, if Darian, Dur- that all, all, all bets are off. If Darian Durant gets hurt in the first quarter. Again. Oh yeah. Th- then they might as well go with no quarterback and just run the ball. Or they might uh, as well go with that Jim pop offense of six quarterbacks at the same time. <laughs> So what's the song? Experience Regina? (laughs) Well, I was going to say the Sheepdogs, but yes, for this week and this week only, Experience Regina. Regina! Canada Day doubleheader. I absolutely love this. It is the Feline Bowl, the Lions and the Tiger Cats. Who do you have in this one? Just, Just play it. It's one of my favorite songs from one of my favorite bands. I'm playing it, too, because I got the Tiger Cats. Look at that. We agree. We got to stop agreeing because that means we're going 0 for 4. Remember all the times that happened last week? Yeah, we we sucked. Yeah, (laughs) we were kind of bad at this. All right. Take it away, Arkells. Feels like. The second half of the doubleheader, the Calgary Stampeders home to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. 
I think it's fair to say we might agree here as well. Who do you Winnipeg's going to keep on Winnipegging, and Calgary's <laughs> going to even up their record at one and one. Uh, Calgary is angry after a disappointing performance, and Winnipeg is well. The Blue Bombers, the Chicago Cubs of the CFL. <laughs> Spin us some dudes, Mr. Curra. All right, I got the stamps too. Let's do it. It's Saturday, 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 Saturday night. I'll dream the Jets will get back the team and look why they got back the team. All right, that does it for episode 41 of the Two and Out CFL podcast. Fraser and Curra here with you. We will be back next week. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Two and Out CFL. Like, review, subscribe, whatever those kids do on iTunes these days. And you can now find us on Google Play Music. Have yourself a good week, and we will talk to you soon.